Welcome to episode 196 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined again by Ryan and Paul, and we are at the All-Star break. And as we're watching this, we're we're all a little distracted. We got the Bucks game three on <laughs> right now, so uh, at least a, a, a good first half. So who knows what the second half will bring, but if we start yelling... Uh, in uncontrollably like jr during the packers podcast it's because the bucks are doing something <laughs> dumb uh or maybe ryan's just yelling about the umpiring this past weekend in the brewer series or so. i might be yelling about the uh, mlb draft which is also going on right now yep so. there's there, yeah we're we we're juggling a lot of things right now so uh a lot to talk about <laughs> <laughs> uh all right we'll get to all of that but first a reminder as always you can help support our podcast network by becoming a patron that's at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you a question priority here on the podcast. And for five bucks a month, you get that minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. And as Ryan mentioned, uh, MLB drafts kicking off tonight as we start recording this too. So you can look for, you know, kind of that post draft recap in the future coming up as well. Yeah, we had a preview that we just did this last week, and I posted on Friday so that people could listen to it ahead of time. And I will take credit. I asked James about, could you see the Brewers grabbing a college bat, since it's kind of a weak draft for college bats. And yeah, so the sure enough, oh, that's exactly what they did. <laughs> there you go. And we will talk about that pick in a few minutes here. Uh, but first of all, as we mentioned, we're at the All-Star break, uh, kind of, you know, True Brewers fashion kind of limping into the all-star break. I feel like that's kind of become the norm the last few <laughs> years. Uh, lost three or four to the Reds uh, over the weekend at MPM. And they, as we talked about, it's it's sort of like a seven-game series. They got three with the Reds in Cincinnati right after the all-star break, which yep. uh, Paul established as dumb and very bad. And Correct. Now, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And now that the Brewers lost three of the first four, that uh, cushiony... NL Central lead is down to just about four games. So that could be a very stress inducing weekend next weekend if things continue to go awry. But uh, I guess speaking of stress inducing, uh, Ryan, you said you're prepared to go off on a 45 minute tangent on just the umpires in this past weekend. So not to be, you know, the fans that complain about the umpiring when things go wrong, but Dude, this was like historically bad, right? Well, you started with Brian O'Nor on Thursday night, the game they actually did win. And mm -hmm. his rating, which I think he had like an 82% correct rate, which is one of the lowest I've ever seen on that ump scorecard. App. Yep. Truly like, one of the worst. Yeah. And he was he was really awful. But at least in that case, it went both ways. And like it favored the Brewers, but it was by like 0.15 runs. It was 0.15 runs. Yeah. I have it up right now. Yeah. So that one was really close. Yeah. It's not nothing, but it's it's still just atrocious. And then Friday, you have a much more consistent umpire, but he was consistently favoring the Reds. And that ended up being, what was it, a .95, Paul? That was yep. uh, uh, Doug Eddings on Friday Doug night. Eddings, Doug Eddings basically a run. So um, congratulations nice. on your .1 war, Doug Eddings, because that's <laughs> that's about how that works math-wise. So. Yeah, so that really sucked and was horrible and awful. And then there were ejections. Who got ejected on Friday night? Did Council get ejected Friday and Saturday night? So I was at both games. They sort of blended together for me. <laughs> I think he got tossed in both. Okay. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he did. Yeah, not, not ideal. And then Saturday night, of course, is the Christian Yelich ump show with... Uh, um, Oh, that he's actually supposedly a pretty good umpire. He almost had a perfect umpire game earlier this year, actually. The the guy who was at first, where he had to have been looking to make a call on Yelich. Like he was he was looking and itching to make that call. You could see sort of Yelich didn't even worry about he could have easily hustled back to the bag. I've watched this thing enough times now that it's like the Zapruder film. Like he could have easily <laughs> gone back to the bag if he thought there was any danger of this. And yes, he flinched towards second base. But if you watch him, his right foot never even went over the line. Nope. And he turns inside. Like he 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 turns towards the dugout, not towards the field to go back to first base. Uh, it was John Libka, by the way, was the yes, player. thank you, uh, and uh, the official. And it was just a ridiculous call. Um, it, uh, honestly, MLB should have called to the game and ejected the umpire for that call. Um, 
that it was one of the worst calls you'll ever see in a baseball game from a guy just looking to pick a fight. Well, yeah, and this was sort of the definition of the old ump show hashtag that Keith Law created. Like, this is yeah. the definition of an ump show is when an umpire needlessly inserts themselves into a game where they didn't need to be. There was no reason for him to make this call. And he just decided, yeah, I'm I'm going to do this and you know, watch me go, basically. And. So now you have a game that's about Lipka. And that was very funny is a few minutes later, you had a what looked like a pretty bad check swing call on Joey Votto by Doug Eddings, the previous night's home plate umpire, and Joey Votto gets ejected. And that was happening right in front of us where we were sitting and there were some <laughs> choice words exchanged there. So that, that was also amusing and just what an absolute shit show of a series from umpires. Yep. Where every single game, I mean, right down to Sunday, where you had the uh, Willie Adamas getting uh, called out on a, a play where he had been blocked off the bag. And I guess technically it's the correct call. And he was out. But yeah, that it's a dumb rule. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, well, we had to have a we couldn't have a game in this series without having something stupid involving umpires. happen. Absolutely. So Josh Hader. Josh Hader should have protested by using spider tech again. <laughs> <laughs> I'd keep the ball out of the park. Yeah. And he didn't have the greatest weekend. And no, actually going back to the middle of the week, uh, the the doubleheader, the first game of the doubleheader against the Mets, he blew his first mm -hmm. save and then took a loss on Friday night. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then Bad weekend. Yeah. Just a, then... a pretty forgettable weekend all around. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, so Josh Hader has been amazing this year. He wasn't going to stay perfect all year. And now I'm already starting to see some panic, like trade him before I'm, he totally I'm, I'm falls him. thing. Yep. Yeah, no, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Besides, it, it's that's, just, that's backwards yeah. anyway. You want to trade him when he's good, not when he's right. <laughs> not when he's Exactly. Struggling. Exactly. Uh, maybe we'll trade him for another first baseman or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it, <laughs> I would hate I hate for this to sound like sour grapes because yeah the Brewers lost three of four the umpiring was a huge deal but like it, it's just kind of disappointing too that this is a series between you know a first and second place team huge implications right uh, to really swing the standings so you, you just would like to see more consistent umpiring if in a series as important as that in July but right and instead you get this clown car of people just absolutely trying to find a way to insert themselves into every game and make something stupid happen and it just yeah. ugh. bad taste going into the all-star break uh, for sure but i guess the good news is the brewers also have uh five all-stars for the third uh i guess season that we've had an all-star game in a row uh obviously no all-star game last year but uh, Freddy Peralta and Omar Narvaez, we talked about them as a couple of uh, notable snubs last week. They got their due. They got on the roster after, you know, a couple of opt-outs. Freddie got on because Brendan Woodruff pitched Sunday, so he would be ineligible. So a nice little one-for-one -one swap there. And Omar Narvaez makes it, I guess, technically replacing Yadi Molina, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah, he, yeah. he was picked as a replacement for some reason, even though he's about what the 10th best catcher in the national league, but yeah, uh, we're, we're going like to give right. Yeah. We're, we'll give Ryan credit for uh, shaming him into not accepting <laughs> his, his nomination there because uh, Ryan kind of went off on Twitter on that, but I guess uh, the end result was, was good. Right, Paul. So there we go. Right. It all worked out in the end. Justice was served. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy just to see too, how many people are opting out of this all-star game and, and, and things like that. But uh, the, the, the uh, ceremonies announcing all the players is going to take probably an hour because I feel <laughs> like everybody made it this year. But hey, Brewers have five All-Stars. That's that's a good thing. Ties the team record. And uh, kind of, you know, recognizes just another really good first half. So obviously, with this being the All-Star break, we'll do the cliche thing and kind of <laughs> do your first half in review here. Uh, so I guess... Let's just start. Who's been the most surprising for the Brewers in the first half of the this year, Paul? Who, who's who's caught your eye as the biggest surprise? Um, surprise, surprise is tough. I mean, part of it's Willie Adams because he wasn't on the team to start the year, and he, he's sure. kind of their best player. <laughs> so you, you don't expect to kind of get your best player partway through the year. Um, uh, I guess uh, um, the pitching I kind of expected to be kind of this, so not that surprising. 
I might go with Omar um, because if you'll recall, Omar didn't hit last year and he didn't hit in some very like uh, he wasn't just getting unlucky. He wasn't he was not peppering anything. He was getting really weak contact. And while he'd hit in the past, you know, there was some question as to whether he would hit again. His defense had gotten better. But um, I, I feel like sometimes we see that trade happen and not come back. But he's rebounded fantastically. He is. Um, if, if Adamas is not the MVP on, on offense, it is surely Omar Narvaez. I'm sure he's the most valuable by war by a country mile. Um, and uh, he's he's just turned out to be like, it's weird to have so many people better than Yelich on the team. Right. <laughs> and it's weird, for, it's weird for Omar to be one of them. So I'll go with him. Uh, I'll go back to the pitching side and go specifically with Freddie Peralta because – I, he was a guy that we didn't know was even necessarily going to be in the rotation to start the year. He was he did win the fifth spot in camp, and we didn't necessarily know that was going to stick. And here he is, deservedly, honestly, should have been an all-star before having to be added as a replacement, having one of the better seasons we've seen of any Brewer starter probably in franchise history going all the way back. So... Granted, he has two teammates that are also doing it, but what Freddie <laughs> right. is doing is really something, and it it didn't come completely out of nowhere. This has been an ongoing process with him where he has worked to this point, but here we are, and it definitely wasn't something that I was necessarily planning on coming into the season. Obviously happy that it's happening and knew he had upside, but this is this is quite something from him. Yeah. Maybe, you know, a year or two before we really expected that huge breakout from him, right? Just kind yeah. of based on the way he's slowly come along. But it, it's definitely been great to see. And he, he's definitely one of the biggest, uh, more, or I should say, uh, more fun players to have yeah. watched in the first half. Just to kind of see uh, on any given night what he's going to do. Almost threw a no-hitter, and Paul almost got credit for that. So, uh, there you so go. close. <laughs> I, I will tell you what my favorite first half stat is. Go for it. Who leads the Brewers and wins? Oh, oh, I know this. Is it Suter? Yeah, it is Brent Suter, who is eight and four, <laughs> um, just just eclipsing Freddie Peralta at seven and three, and Woodruff at seven and four. So, as someone who has Burns and Woodruff in several fantasy leagues that include wins as a stat, <laughs> uh, I am keenly aware of this. Well, I mean, it's that's the standard. Like it is, it is what it is. I'd rather do that than points, I think. I don't know. Whatever. Point is, is that uh, wins are stupid and like, if you need to prove to somebody that wins are stupid, by the way, yeah, you, you can just use the Brewers up and down because um, Devin Williams is six and one. <laughs> so, um, he is, uh, you know, by his Ross, his old timey dumb stats, he looks like one of the best pitchers in baseball. <laughs> He's six and one with a three oh six ERA. And yeah, you know, how many three, of those are the result of a blown save on his part? Probably, I like, think quite a few. Yeah, three or four <laughs> of them at least. Probably a solid handful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, and I just really enjoyed uh, Cubs fans getting upset that Kyle Hendricks didn't uh, get, get <laughs> yeah, selected yeah, for the yeah. All Star game because he's the National League leader in wins. wins. Doesn't that count for anything? Lots of other things too. Home yes. runs allowed, I think. Yes, I believe so. Maybe up there with hits allowed too. But hey, you got the win, so there you go. Um, all right, let's flip this around. Who's been most disappointing, Paul, and why is it Christian Yelich? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> you, you got a lot of candidates for this, but I I mean, I, it's probably Yelich. At least he's still getting on base, but I'm getting sick yeah. of saying at least he's still getting on base because that's not what we pay him to do. I mean, it's not like he's worthless, but this is not what you want from Christian Yelich. So, yeah, it's him. Um, but uh, Keston here is probably the real answer to this because i think we probably we all thought he'd at least bounce back a little bit and uh, it just hasn't happened i mean he's got a 580 ops he's one of the worst players in baseball he looks completely lost and i think they were counting on him to you know have at least an averagey type bounce back and it just didn't didn't happen but there's a lot of candidates for disappointment here I, I, frankly the off half the offense is pretty bad so you know take your pick on on what you want to go with there like jackie bradley jr is actually worse. He has a 43 OPS plus. That was going to be my pick here. Yeah, kind of amazing. Um, so you know, uh, you can go up and down. You got lots of good candidates for disappointment. The Brewers have lots of that. Uh, I, I, sorry to, if I steal too much thunder here, Ryan, but um, also kind of Devin Williams, and not that he's been bad, 
but uh you know he was he was completely awesome last year and he hasn't fallen off and this happens when you're when you have like the best season ever you you usually regress to something less than that but i think we we kind of thought we had this you know the hater williams one two punch that was going to be basically lights out forever and that has not been the case so mm-hmm. Yeah, Williams has been just walking a lot of guys, and he did that somewhat to an extent last year. But yeah, he's also had more of a home run issue. Obviously, I don't think he gave up any home runs last year, and he's giving up you know more than one per nine this year. So yeah, that's all of that adds up to him not being great. Though again, you know, three hundred six ERA is hardly terrible. No, he's he's okay. Yeah, it's just not the lights out shutdown guy that we were hoping we would see again. But yeah, I, I think I'll go with Bradley Jr. here. Here is a weird one because of coming off of his down season last year and knowing that there were some issues that needed to be fixed and the personal stuff that's going on. It's just that one's more difficult. Bradley Jr. has just been really, really bad uh, this year, offensively at least, though providing plenty of value on defense that ultimately like he's not cratering the Brewers chances here but taken in combination with Lorenzo Cain being out so much of the first half right they've needed to rely on him and haven't been able to to mitigate some of those offensive woes to the extent that they probably would like to though Tyrone Taylor has given them the ability to get him out of the lineup on a fairly regular basis and I don't think he's had to face uh, lefties really too much so that's been a positive for him but yeah, this is not what you expected when you signed him. And I do still think we're probably going to see a better second half from him than we've seen so far. So just fingers crossed, knowing that they do have him under contract for next year. He has an opt out. But at this point, you would not expect him to be opting out. So <laughs> right. yeah, they may well just be stuck with him, though. There are worse things than being stuck with Jackie Bradley Jr. on a, you know, what is it like $10 million for the season? That's not it's not going to crush anything. At least he plays defense. You got something there. Right, exactly. Also, for the first half, the most uh, like um, averagey person, uh, the meets expectations. Um, <laughs> I, I think I go with with maybe... Yeah, Avi's got more home runs than I thought. So um, it's hard to hit that average spot. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, it's still good. I'll go, I'll go with Avi Garcia. That's It's better than average, and it's better than last year, but you know he's not like blowing us away. He's just pretty good. All right. Uh, so taking it to, I guess, the, the very best. Paul, you mentioned Willie Adamas, probably your team MVP through the first half. Is that is that your call here? I think I take him over Omar just because um, they were struggling quite a bit, and he did seem to really jumpstart the offense. He was. Uh, I don't think you can understate the significance of that addition, um, and it, it really seems to have lit a fire under the team. So Omar maybe has higher war. He's good at defense and offense, and he's fantastic. But I think Willie turned everything around. So, yeah, I go with him. Yeah, I think it's Brandon Woodruff. And, I mean, I know that he's also then going to be my first half Cy Young pick or whatever. But (laughs) it's Woodruff, I think, has been the most valuable player on the team simply because. So what did he end up pitching today? He was at 107 and a third coming into today. So that puts him well over 110. He pitched six innings today. Yeah. And he kind of labored through that. So, but yeah. He did, but still only allowed one run. So, yeah, it's a when that's your bad start against a pretty good offense, right? Against a team that does put runs on the board at a fairly reasonable clip. When you go six innings and give up one run and kind of look a little shaky, that just speaks to how impressive a season you're having. And yeah, Woodruff has been the most important uh, horse on this team to date. And they're going to have to find ways to back off of him probably in the second half. They're going to yeah. have to work on that. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I did mention on the podcast with James this last week that maybe it could be somebody like Ethan Small steps in and gives some of these guys a a, a rest uh, once or twice through the rotation to let them sit on the, the IL. But they may end up needing that in the second half, though there are more off days coming. The Brewers have sort of built up a uh, backlog of off days at this point since they had these two long runs in the first half where they didn't have like any off days. So that's uh, they they do have that coming to them. And I, I, I do like seeing that they have some of that in the dog days because that's always a tough time of the year to get through. 
So, but they're going to have to do something to back off of these starters. But to this point, Brandon Woodruff has been everything you could possibly have hoped for. Paul, is he your Brewers Cy Young pick? Or yes. would you go someone else? Okay. Uh, I would love to go. I would actually kind of wish it was Burns, but um, I, I think Woodruff has been more important just workhorse-wise, giving the bullpen rests. And, um, yeah, he, he's, he's pretty – they have – one of the reasons I go with Willie is they split my vote. Um, Peralta and Burns and Woodruff are all excellent. Um, but I, w- I will also agree with Ryan just because I think he is really a bullpen saver um, in addition to just being excellent every start. And in the, the amount that they rely on their bullpen makes that extra important compared to what other teams would be uh, wanting out of their guys. So I think you have to go with Woodruff there. Yeah, it's massive. And I will give the shout here to, to Burns you know, and, and bring him up mostly because an 8.3 strikeout per walk ratio is some Ben sheets, 2004 shit and (laughs) needs to be mentioned and appreciated as being amazing. It's basically the guys who've done this, like that kind of a season, that kind of strikeout to walk ratio. It's like Ben sheets in 2004 and some Kurt Schilling years uh, from like, I don't know, like 2001 ish. He had some seasons like that too. So there aren't many pitchers that manage to strike out that many while walking that few. It is really quite something. No, and he outdueled Jacob deGrom in the last week, uh, lest we forget to mention that. So yep. uh, before that uh, fatal Josh Hader inning cost him another win. But <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah, definitely plenty of contenders there. I guess we'll see how the rest of the uh second half shakes out and and whether some of these guys get actual Cy Young votes. So we'll see. But I I, I would have to think DeGrom is still the NL leader, but who knows? <laughs> we'll see how the second half shakes out. Um, also in the last week, we need to mention the Brewers made another trade. So uh, again, David Stearns and, and Matt Arnold kind of working quickly here to, to make an unexpected deal, but they got uh, Rowdy Telez from the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, Flip Trevor Richards and in a minor league pitcher for him. <laughs> and uh, he's he's another, uh, I'm going to guess, would be a Milwaukee fan favorite if he ever starts hitting. He's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start here, but he's a, another big lefty swinging dude. So him and Dan Vogelbach can go and crush some beers out <laughs> after a game or something like that. But uh, that kind of leads us to our first Patreon question. comes from Jay Google. He says, what are the feelings on Telez? Is he more of an insurance policy for Vogie? Does he maybe take over playing full time for Hira, or is it just the fact Stearns can acquire a former first rounder for a relief pitcher? <laughs> Ryan, uh, which of those factors probably plays the biggest role in making this move midweek? Well, I think the other factor here is he has options, so he's yep, basically the true. perfect Stearnsy player in in that respect as well. Uh, he's a guy that they could potentially have long term if they so choose. Have him around for a few years. His service time, I believe, is under two years at this point so he really has not uh accrued much time there so they wouldn't even i don't believe going into next year even have to pay him arbitration he would still be at the league minimum and that is always something that david stearns is going to enjoy as well so i don't know i think the maybe the best part about this is did you guys see the st louis post dispatch article about this i saw it it was the one I saw was more about the Adamas trade, but also just generally the Brewers not sitting around on their hands, right? And, exactly. And, That's what this was. Yeah. I did see that one, yes. Yes, it was the fact that the Brewers are out there doing things, which really, if you look at it, not many teams have made any trades of significance, and the Brewers have made three. So yeah. they're really an outlier, <laughs> and they're an outlier compared to their past iterations, too. Nobody really does what the Brewers have done this year. It's very strange. It's very video gamey. This is the kind of shit I do right. in OOTP. <laughs> right. I get bored with the team, so I start trading guys off. And yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm the master of the, the April 10th trade. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to wait for the trade deadline. The deadline is a deadline. Not, <laughs> not the day to make trades. It's not right? a goal, yeah. yes. But usually it takes time for stuff to come together and also sellers don't necessarily want to sell super early because they want to wait around for a market to develop for their player and not just jump at the first thing that's offered so it's usually hard to get like a trade partner there are a lot of teams who would like to add things i suspect earlier than they're able to but they just can't find somebody willingly trading them something at a price they're 
happy to pay. And circumstance-wise, we know that the Brewers, like with the Adamas situation, they were working on that going back at least to this last offseason. And there was a, a moment of need where the Brewers really did need to do something at shortstop because of uh, Urias's just defensive struggles there. And the Rays were so desperate for bullpen arms because everybody they had was hurt. So yeah. that was sort of a, a, a situation where you had two contending teams sort of trading to fill both short-term and long-term needs. And so you don't normally get a, a, a situation that lines up that well for something like right. that to happen. So, and it, like the Tellez and, and Arcia moves were much less significant than that Adamus move, which looks like an absolutely spectacular move, you know, both in the short term and at least the medium term, if not the long term. Right. And like also important to mention, at least with the Adamus and the Tellez trades, it's like these are two guys that maybe the Brewers picked out as recognizing that they were going to be blocked or were blocked by super prospects, right? Like the Rays eventually wanted to get to Wander Franco at some point this year. Yep. Uh, Tellez obviously has nowhere to play in Toronto with Vlad Jr. and and all those other bats. Like there just weren't any at bats to go around. So he, the Brewers kind of identified two uh, potentially really good bats that uh, weren't going to get playing time and and kind of like you mentioned, Ryan found just the right mix of, of what those teams were looking for too. So um, it, it's also just good work on, on the front office's part, just to identify those guys. Um, I guess, Paul, what are your thoughts on Telez? Is he just another Daniel Vogelbach uh, spaghetti on the wall kind of type, or do you have he's, kind of higher hopes? He, so I think he's a better prospect than Vogelbach. Um, certainly now Vogelbach's 20, not that it's a huge difference. Vogelbach's 28 years old. You know what he is like. He's he looks like he he looks. He's not going to get in better shape. He is going to quickly enter the big guy bad knees portion of his career. He can't really play first, and um, you could say a lot of that stuff about Rowdy Tele, but he's produced um, more recently than Vogelbach has, and better than Vogelbach has. Uh, it he has not played a ton of a ton of times. So there's a lot of small sample size there, but he's hit at every level. He's had a couple of regressions every now and then and come back. Um, and he's hitting the majors in, in, in longer stints a couple of times, too. So he, you know, he's a big, unathletic guy. He's gonna str- he has struggled in the field. He's not good at defense. He's very brewersy in what he looks like. But there's still a chance that he's going to be a, a pretty good first baseman. And I, I, going forward, I would much rather have him than Vogelbach out there, 100, like 100 times out of 100. Yeah, and obviously, you know, part of the reason they make this move is Big Dan's going to be out for a few more weeks yet so uh, mm-hmm. i i i hate to say it as the big big dan fan but uh this probably spells the end of of his time once he's off the il right so we've said it so many times and it hasn't happened yet but i do think that this <laughs> is probably it for him yes big dan's just a vampire he won't he won't ever leave <laughs> he's he'll just stick around forever yeah uh, but yeah we'll, we'll kind of see how that playing time shakes out too because as we mentioned here obviously still struggling to get it going uh, kind of ironically the brewers made this trade a, a day after hero went what another 0 for 4 with four strikeouts or something like that so sure. it you know might just be circumstances but obviously the the team's just looking for something that'll work at that position at this by point. the way whoever has written the rowdy tele baseball prospectus comments for the last five years loves the guy like they're all like <laughs> Like there are some of the most fanboy comments I've ever seen. Whoever writes those is really rooting for him to succeed. So if you want to feel really positive about that, just go read old baseball prospectus commentary on him. That's always fun. Max Muncy just got drafted guys. I've been waiting for this because I'm going to tweet Uh, out. um, I'm going to tweet out. um, Who do you like better? Wander Franco, Wander Franco, Max Muncy or Max Muncy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Did the Dodgers draft him for maximum Muncy or no? No, it, I think it was the uh, A's that grabbed him. Uh, so, well, yes. Alas. Max Muncy, the first, was also a former A, wasn't he? Before yes, he, he uh, was. Yeah, there you go. They, The A's just love themselves some Max Muncy. They do. My wife was very amused by Ben Lindbergh's phrasing of uh, Max's Muncy. <laughs> <laughs> she, she laughed and made me Proper rewind plural. it because I missed it while I was walking around doing stuff in the house. She's like, you have to hear this. You have to hear this. 
So yeah. it's like attorneys general, right? Yeah, it's exactly he, he, what exactly. it is. The Max is Muncie. <laughs> Whoppers well, guess, Jr., my, yeah. my personal favorite. <laughs> All right, I guess speaking of the MLB draft, we did mention uh, we're doing this the same night as the first night of the MLB draft. Ryan and James will have that post-draft breakdown for you on the Minor League Extra podcast at some point. Uh, But in the meantime, we do know at least Brewers' first-round pick was Boston College center fielder uh, Sal Freelich, 15th overall. Uh, He's kind of a little guy. He's 5'9", but he can hit, uh, uh, is what I've, I've seen. Ryan, what do we know about him so far? Yeah, I, I think you summed it up pretty well. He is a good defender, uh, but that is not his primary calling card. I've seen some people saying a defense first outfielder. No, no, no. This is a guy who put up a well over one OPS in college this year for Boston College playing in the ACC. So in a legitimate league where he is facing legitimate competition. And yeah, I the, the general, I, I did put this on Twitter, but the general idea for him where he was ranked in everybody's uh, top talents available overall in this draft, Baseball America ranked him as the ninth best player, Pipeline ranked him 11th, Kelly McDaniel at ESPN had him 11th, Keith Law had him 10th, Eric Longenhagen and Kevin Goldstein at Fangraphs had him 10th. This was a steal that they got. Now, maybe it wasn't the steal people wanted because you did have Khalil Watson falling down and ended up going a couple picks afterward. But as I said on Twitter, you're going to need to watch for what Watson ends up signing for because there's a good chance that the Marlins have had to reallocate and reshuffle around quite a bit of their draft to make this work. And this isn't about teams being cheap. If the Brewers did this because of money, it's not because they're cheap. The Brewers spend every year up to their cap basically almost to the penny of for what they can spend before they lose next year's draft pick they they've done this basically every year in this new system it's a matter of mlb has capped the amount of money you can spend before you start losing draft picks and no team has gone over that cap yet so to make it work when a team takes a guy who's fallen because of signability you have to reallocate that money and that means that you have to basically punt on draft picks later on in the draft and say, we're just going to take a, a senior here who has no draft leverage. He'll just accept you know, some pittance of money, and that way we can reallocate that money up to our top guy. And if the Brewers didn't want to do that for Watson, it's completely understandable and totally justifiable. Now, if Watson ends up signing for you know, something in the neighborhood of what of what Freilich got, then you could actually start making some comparisons and say, okay, well, they made a choice here. Was it the right one? But this is probably about money. And the way this system works, that it really is important. And again, it is not about being cheap. It's just about working within the system that MLB has set up to suppress these guys' ability to make money coming into pro ball, which the overall system is MLB owners being cheap and not wanting to spend on amateur talent. That's absolutely true. But from an individual standpoint, it's not about the Brewers being cheap at all, even if it is about money. Just to get that out of the way here. <laughs> yeah, Paul, I guess your thoughts on another college bat coming to this. Um, I So I know it's a weak draft for college bats, as people tell me, but I always like taking the best college bat or one of the best college bats available. They tend to hit more often than they fail. It is a pretty good try and true strategy. Also, just bring this over from football a little bit. I like drafting short guys. Um, I I feel like height actually doesn't matter all that much for the most part. Uh, that there's a selection bias against short people, and you can sometimes find better players than you otherwise would by going that route. And uh, I, I always like to see that happen. So I, I will be pulling for him. Uh, although uh, uh, last guy they did was Scooter. Scooter turned out pretty good, so I'm, go. I'm for it. Well, Scooter is considerably shorter. Feel like we're talking about him being small. Five foot nine is not Scooter like five foot six on you know lifts. Sure, but for a pro athlete, it's, <laughs> it's pretty short. Sure, it, it yes, it's it's on the shorter side, but guys have made it work. I just can't wait. Uh, for everyone to mention, he was a former high school quarterback. So, you know, he's, yes. he's athletic. Oh, and he has leadership. He's leadership skills. Yes. He's 5'9", so he's scrappy, too. So that's the full scouting report. Checking all kinds of boxes. Yeah. As I mentioned, uh, MLB draft still going on. Ryan and James Anderson will have that full 
post-draft breakdown for you once we know who everybody is. And we'll have to keep an eye on whether or not they can get everybody signed too. But as uh, Ryan mentioned, brewers typically do go right down to the dollar and, and tend to tend to take care of business. They leave no penny unturned, so to speak. So uh, we'll be sure to follow up on that as well. We also have a lot of Patreon questions to get to tonight. So we'll get to those right now. Uh, Adam Post is asking, now that we're at the half point, halfway point of the season, will any teams in the NL Central other than the Brewers be buyers at the trade deadline? Uh, so, you know, we, we've seen a, quite a few teams kind of fall out of it. The Brewers maybe have had a hand in the Cubs becoming sellers <laughs> instead of buyers. <laughs> uh, Paul, anybody else in the division uh, capable of swinging a deal here in July? So- First, uh, shout out to Eric Sogard for kind of single-handedly tanking the Cubs um, <laughs> by, by being terrible, by being a diseased idiot. And, um, <laughs> he's basically, basically the monkey from Outbreak. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty much the monkey from Outbreak. So um, basically just ended the, the Cubs' entire like dynasty of this generation because a lot of their guys from the World Series team are still fairly young and under contract, and they've announced they're punting, even though they shouldn't. Um, and it's really a lot of Eric Sogard's fault. So kudos to Eric. He's one of the most valuable brewers this year, um, even if he's not on the team anymore. Remember that when Chris Bryant's playing third base for the Dodgers next Do year. Do that, yes, correct. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati's pretty good. And yes, they're slightly outperforming their Pythagorean, but you know they're not that far back. They're still very much in this race. They're still very much in, well, eh, the wildcard race might be a little stretch, but not completely out of it. So they're close enough that they are more likely to be buyers than sellers at this point, and especially if they can get a couple more over the Brewers to start off the second half. Um, right. I mean... They got these seven games to make up a bunch of ground, and they've already done half the job they need to, I think. Um, but I don't think anybody else is going to claw their way back. The Cubs are done, like done, done. And I think the Cardinals are are bad enough that they're not going to be able to scrape back into it. And I knock on lots of wood when I say that because they're, of course, <laughs> the very Cardinals evil. are Jason. They're never dead. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they don't like they don't give up easy. I mean, the Cardinals are very much used to trying to stick around, but. Um, they come out. They come out of the second half with the Giants, and that's not been fun this year. And they got the Cubs a bunch then, and uh, that maybe they can make up some ground there and get back into it. But the Cubs actually are, I think, six and two so far against the Cardinals this yeah. year. So, and then they have the, then they have the Reds, and so it's not easy. Like uh, it's not like they have a, a big run of the Diamondbacks and and Rockies to get themselves back into the race. They do not have that. So I think they're toast. I think it's just the Reds and the the Brewers game and. Honestly, if the Brewers can come out and like sweep the Reds, they can maybe end everybody. Yeah, I think what the Cardinals are likely to do is a little bit of uh, shuffling, it, kind of like a buying and selling sort of thing at the same time to maybe think of like how the Brewers last year, remember, sold off uh, David Phelps. And then I don't, they really didn't add too many players. I'm trying to think of like recent examples of this where teams sort of shuffled their roster a little bit I guess think maybe like what the Reds did uh not last year but the year before where they added Bauer but also uh were getting rid of some guys as well I could see the Cardinals kind of shuffling and saying this isn't necessarily about trying to compete this year though we're still gonna try but it's about serious philosophy yeah, well, it's also about setting themselves up for next year if there's yeah. a season to yeah. potentially be good. Because right now, the big problem the Cardinals have is they have an entire starting rotation on the IL. So <laughs> right. it's very hard to deal with that and come through it successfully. So if they can maybe shuffle some things around and put themselves in a position to make a run in the second half as some of these guys come back, that could be something that they they look to do. But they're not going to do it at the expense of trading significant pieces for rentals, if that makes sense. If they add players, it's going to be adding them more for the long term than the short term. And uh, unlike the Cubs, the Cardinals have already gotten their Arizona and Colorado games out of the way. Um, and they, so all, that ship has sailed. They can't make up a bunch. They're six and one against Arizona. So they already got that under their belt and they're still way, way back. Unlike the Cubs who have yet to play those teams. So. Right. So they could have a little second and a half run still in them, but they seem like they want to sell. So why compete when you can trade away expensive players and make some more money and, you exactly. know, just let your cool Wrigleyville real estate money roll in. Yep. That real estate. <laughs> Baronship is what they're after. 
add more uh, country bars to to Wrigleyville. That's what uh, talking about. Despicable. <laughs> <laughs> the whole. So, I, I, so I'm sure everybody in Chicago has already knows this and has made this observation. But I went to I went to Wrigley with my kids yesterday, and I used to live there for five years a long time ago. And the entire south end of Clark Street is now just redneck bars. And like that's the theme. I'm not like I'm not calling people rednecks. I mean the theme of the bar is that it's a redneck bar. <laughs> um, and that's weird. I didn't know that was popular. I'm an old man. It probably has been popular for a while, and I just didn't know. But like, it, it seems like it might be a fad. Uh, maybe the Ricketts are just trying to get their own people in. I don't know. It's, it's ugly as hell, though, and <laughs> very, very, very bad. I, everybody in Chicago should be mad about what happened to Wrigleyville because half of it is now made up of literal redneck bars, which, why are you going to that? Stop. Young people, you're dumb. Stop going to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been Paul Rance about Chicago. We'll be back now. Uh, okay. Thank you. Again, I can do that because I live here now. So Yeah. <laughs> there you go. He, he's just a disgruntled uh, neighborhood resident. That's all. This is like uh, next door for him. So there you go. <laughs> Best of next door. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, another Patreon question. Uh, kind of tied to the last one. James Vandenberg asking... Ryan, are the Reds a legitimate threat in the Central? Yes, they are. Uh, they're a pain in the ass, and they're better than they probably should be. But then again, last year, they sort of weirdly, their offense way underperformed last year. And this year, the offense is doing more of what you should have probably expected yeah. it to do in a full season in, 28, or, uh, in 2020. The difference is... The pitching isn't as good, especially in the bullpen. The bullpen is just a tire fire, and the Brewers not being able to take advantage of that this weekend was probably the most frustrating aspect of their uh, weekend, though they the Reds did get good starts mostly from their guys and were able to take yeah. advantage of that, and their starters are still pretty good. They don't have... I will say, too, yeah, yeah. They've, they've really turned around... Um, They've really turned around in the in the last month or so. You've seen Luis Castillo just look like a different pitcher in the last few starts too. So uh, there's that too. But yeah, I I think jumping off the last question, if the Reds are going to make a move, it's got to be a bullpen piece, right, Paul? If they're going to stick around in this race, yes, absolutely. That's what they need to fix. I think their offense is more than more than good enough to get them home, but they do need to do some serious work on fixing their pitching. So. Um, that that's it's good to have obvious weaknesses and makes it easy for you and they can also deal from strength if they need to too uh, i'm sure there'll be people looking for offensive pieces and they've got them um i also just wanted to point out really quickly since i know jesse winker's been torturing us all season and uh he's good but it's worth noting that um uh, his his uh, team split ops's are best against uh, the diamondbacks who are uh, you know a tire fire the, the pirates who are also a tire fire and in the division the Cardinals in the division, the Brewers in the division. Yep. Um, that's who he's good against, and he's actually kind of medium to bad against everybody else. So um, <laughs> it really is just torturing us and the rest of the Central. And really, for us, it's mostly been Adrian Hauser. I was going to say, if you take out Adrian yeah. Hauser, how bad do his numbers stay? <laughs> uh, right. Probably quite a bit, but I'm not capable of doing that. But he has, he's slugging 7-11 against the Brewers this year. Which is not something you want to see. No, no, not ideal. All right, I guess uh, speaking of the trade deadline, uh, Texas Rangers could be a seller, one of the few out there. And that leads to a lot of speculation about Joey Gallo, who happens to fill a need for the Brewers. And I would personally love to see that. Uh, Stephen Papp asking a question here. Are you willing to move Keston Hira in a Joey Gallo trade? So I imagine he'd be one of many pieces in this scenario but ryan would you give up on keston hira for a joey gallo rental he's a rental right he's a free agent uh i believe he has one more year i'm double checking uh, that i was pulling that up right as you asked it <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. earliest also doing the same yeah earliest free agent is 2023 so he's got another okay. year yep he there you go this is his uh yeah this is his fifth year so he'll okay. still have a sixth year next year there you um, go. But still not a very long term investment as opposed to the, you know, multiple years you'd still have with Hira. Is that a trade off you'd make? I mean, Gallo has been absolutely incredible this year. Yep. He has. But the problem with Gallo is it's a lot of the same problems you have with Hira. And you feel like 
here is going to go through this. And I, Joey Gallo in 2020 put up a 181 batting average. And this is not really an outlier. 2018, a 206. 2017, a 209. This is before the offensive environment completely cratered in baseball. So he's having hitting 239 this year is probably actually well outpacing what you should expect from him in this kind of hitting environment. And yes, there's a lot of walks and yes, there's a lot of power. But aside from that, it, it, there's a lot of redundancy there. I, I mean, to, to be fair, I would do this, especially if it was like just Hura for Gallo straight up. Yes, I kind of would feel like I need to do it. But I also don't feel like the Rangers are going to do it. So, not. yeah, I, I it would depend what else is going on in this sort of a transaction. And yeah, I I don't know. It's it's a tricky one because Gallo is a pretty he's an exciting player, but he's also a pretty deeply flawed player as well. If you want somebody who's not going to strike out a ton. Yeah, that's not Joey Gallo either. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, he's already had 108 strikeouts this year, though he is also leading the American League he, in walks with 72. He sure so. does. So he's deeply flawed, but he is uh, actually fairly consistent. He's put up um, OPS plus is over 100 for four of the last five years, and it was only 2020, which was a stupid year that he didn't. Um, he walks a lot. He I mean, He's walking an absurd amount this year, but um, he's really your prototypical three true outcomes guy at this point. Um, he's very Adam Dunny. He's very, you know, that kind of player. And um, you're probably going to get value for him. Like you're probably going to get above average offensive production from Joey Gallo for, you know, for the rest of his time under the, under team control. So uh, like if this actually happened and was an option, I think I would, I would also do it. I, you know, Keston may very well bounce, bounce back and be a really good player, but you know, keep in mind, he, he also might not. And even if he does, he was really projected to provide the most value as a second baseman, and he's not playing that anymore. His bat was always going to be a bit of a stretch at first, even in a best-case scenario. And, you know, I don't know if I want to count on Keston's best-case scenario to get me to essentially what Joey Gallo is. So um, I would I do that trade for two years of Joey Gallo in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I'm looking at it now a little bit more closely, checking out fan graphs. Defensively, he isn't quite the... Uh, the huge down that I thought he was. He actually had positive defensive values in both 19 and 20. He's a little bit underwater this year, uh, just about a run to the negative side, but that's very doable. You're not, he's nowhere near Prince Fielder hemorrhaging value defensively. <laughs> so yeah, I would do it. I kind of hate it, but I would, I, I would have to do it. <laughs> I like Joey Gallo. He's fun. I wouldn't even hate it. I would at least sell it that way. This offense <laughs> needs more fun players. I'm I'm for fun as well. He'd probably break a scoreboard light at some point, and we we, we all need that back in our lives. There you go. Probably haven't had that since Prince. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, Jesse Gennigan has another question. He says, "In the honor of the weird thing the Brewers did today, where current and former players, as well as media personalities, were serving beer before the game." Which current or former Brewers player would you most want to get a beer with, and why is it Rob Deer? <laughs> uh, Paul, which uh, brewer would you? I want? I don't want to go first. So here's the thing: I don't follow any athletes on Twitter. Uh, okay. I don't like. I don't want to talk to any of them. Uh, like because I, I write about. Like I hate when people snitch tag me on Twitter so much. Like I I, I say negative things about players all the time. And I never want to be in a position where I'm compromised from being able to do so. So I really don't view them that way as like celebrities at all. I really, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a bad person. I would be a good front office person. I view them as cogs <laughs> in a machine. Um, I'm frankly kind of evil that way. And uh, I mean, it, it's just true. Like I, I, I cut through, I do numbers and I, I, I get yelled at occasionally when people find out I said so. so um, like, uh, and and also baseball players are often like you think you know them but you don't. A lot of them are huge weirdos. I guess Lorenzo Cain seems nice, so because he seems nice, but maybe he's not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but but like a lot of athletes are weird people and they don't want to talk to you and or me, and so that would just be awkward. I'm not interested. My answer is none. But Lorenzo Cain, if I have to. 
So I'm going to go with a guy who actually showed up on tonight's. When you're done, I have to change my answer. Sorry. You go first, then I, then I go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, this guy actually showed up on tonight's MLB draft broadcast. I know probably most people didn't catch this because they were watching the Bucks game, but I did have it on when Ricky Weeks gave a scouting report of a player, and I can't even remember who the player was. Uh, this is a high schooler. Uh, for some reason and uh i actually did have a uh a, a encounter in the wild with ricky weeks once way back when when i was working uh security for a local music festival that people probably are aware of and uh i i saw him with a number of the brewers pitchers at the time at a bruno mars show and uh weeks and his i think at the time girlfriend maybe fiance and and now wife um, were thoroughly embarrassed by the behavior of the, uh, the of the starting pitching staff at that uh, at that event, uh, which involved them taking one of the the pitcher's brothers and shaking the porta potty he was in back and forth until I thought it was going to tip over, um, which would have been very bad. <laughs> would have been very very bad. So uh, and Ricky and, and uh, his uh, lady friend were quite. Uh, they were quite embarrassed by that. So he seems like a, a, a cool down to earth guy and I would enjoy talking about his his bat speed with him. So that's that is my answer. I would I'd take Ricky Weeks and for the bat speed conversations. Okay, so I was looking at this all wrong from my own perspective here, which is like <laughs> so, having a beer and like being a friend with somebody. That's stupid. I, I'm not gonna do that. So my answer is Zach Greinke because oh, yeah. I, I, I could just talk to a big weirdo and that's fine. You know, who, I don't care what Zach Renke ends up thinking of me. I might get a good quote out of him. He won't enjoy it any more than I will. Um, you know, I, I, I am 100% sure he would, he would feel punished through the whole thing. And so that's fine. So my answer is Zach Renke. I would have a beer with him and we'd both be miserable the whole time. And maybe he'd say something funny. See, that's the thing. You probably wouldn't make him miserable because you would want to talk about baseball and get into like nuts and bolts, weirdo stuff with him. And he would love that. <laughs> what he would hate is the normal fan boy doing the like the Paul McCartney, Chris Farley thing like that. Like, awesome. Yeah, that was awesome, wasn't <laughs> it? Like he would hate that, like absolutely loathe that. But if you wanted to talk to him about the intricacies of molding pitches or I don't know, like uh, what is uh, what's the thing? He, I think he plays World of Warcraft. Like if you wanted to talk about World of Warcraft, I'm sure he'd be more than willing to discuss that. That's that's Matt's thing, not mine. So um, I would <laughs> no. I would start by telling him I can throw a slower curveball than him. Oh, and um, then I he would say, no, you, no, you can't. And I would say, yeah. yes, I can, because my arm is terrible. And um, so I have to put everything into it to get it across the plates. And that will no, that will be slower than anything you try to do, because that's just how hard I can throw. So uh, and then it would go from there. So that's fine. I, I like that you've uh, planned out this entire conversation. Yeah, it, it's 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 great. Um, I mean, Gorman Thomas seems like a fun one to have a, a beer or 12 with i don't think gorman's <laughs> stopping at one uh so there you go uh but he, and you never know what would come out of his mouth so that that would be fun but i i like the paul's way of thinking with the, the zach cranky because from one weirdo to another i feel like that'd be awesome uh just one one person with very high social anxiety talking to another one that that always leads to the, the closest bonds. Right. So there you go. I, I love that one. All right. Uh, Philip Schumacher has a question for us this week. He's saying, given inning restrictions for pitchers, was it really a good thing to have three pitchers going to the all-star game, even though Woodruff's no longer pitching? Wouldn't the Brewers be better off having all their pitchers shut down for four days? Ryan, your thoughts on that? I mean, I guess at most they're going to throw an inning. So you're going to get an inning of Corbin Burns. You're going to get an inning of Freddie Peralta. And honestly, this is probably like very near their throw day anyway for those guys. It's not like you're significantly adding to the number of total innings that they're going to throw. That's that's not a consequence. Maybe it would be better to give them the rest. But like I said, I don't even know necessarily that they would take a complete rest. They'd probably throw side sessions or whatever to to stay fresh and stay ready to go. Because I assume, do we know what it's going to look like coming out of the All Star break? Are they going to start with uh, with Woodruff right away out of the break on Friday? I have not uh, looked that don't far think ahead. We know it, but I assume they will do that. Yeah, maybe it would be Burns on Friday instead, and then 
push Woodruff back a little bit since he just went on Sunday, and that would have him going on four days rest. And they yeah. have been trying to avoid that. So yeah, no starters announced yet for the Brewers nope. as of Sunday night for this weekend. So okay. But yeah, I don't think it's a big factor. I think that especially anybody who's in their first run through of this, uh, which would be Freddie and Burns, uh, let the guys go have fun. This is like a big part of why you get into playing baseball in the first place is to do things like make an all star team and pitch in that spotlight. Like for for Woodruff, who's done it before and for Josh Hader, it's a little bit more old hat, but let the kids have fun. Yeah. So um, the correct answer is it's best to have no all stars. Uh, I mean, it, it means you, it means your team was bad. Um, so I guess the best thing is for your team to be good, but still have no all stars, because it's best if they could just do what they normally do. Baseball players are creatures of habit. And if they can you know, stay at their houses and do their normal workouts and eat the normal food and not get on airplanes. That's the ideal situation because the all star game doesn't matter at all. You know, it's just. A fun exhibition that can end in a tie because the commissioner's a moron and um, that's all it is so um, it, the ideal situation is that you never want anybody to go to the all-star game and all of you people who vote for the brewers online when they're the last ones to make it you're actively hurting your team by doing that so Jeez. Um, be, be, <laughs> be worse Lord, fans um, than you are uh, Paul's but, a uh, real fun sucker this week Man. but yeah like it's 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 bad that they have pitchers going because it limits how they can use their pitchers so yes it is <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story, kids, is never try. There you go. <laughs> well, moral of the story is only try when people are paying you money to do it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, well, Paul, I hope you have some more uh, advice here because Ted Johnson, not the Patriots linebacker, our patron, <laughs> apparently a really big fan of yours. So good every time. <laughs> uh, so Ted says, question for Paul. You mentioned you're a lawyer. He's currently mm-hmm. studying for the bar exam. You've oh, moved God. to several states. How yep. many times have you taken the bar, or are you one of those in-house lawyers that don't count? Uh, and then the second message, TBH, I have a man crush on Paul. If I'm allowed to, I'd ask to Paul's opinion on the bar exam in general. All right. So um, <laughs> this is a hard answer because, okay, I am one of those in-house people where it doesn't matter. That's A. B, um, I graduated from a well, law school in Wisconsin, and if you do that, you don't have to take the bar in Wisconsin. It's the, the diploma privilege. It's the only state in the union that does that. So I am barred in Wisconsin. However, um, I moved to Illinois after I graduated law school, so I did take the Illinois bar, and I am also barred in Illinois. Um, so I'm, I'm barred in two places currently. And the bar exam is a waste of time and stupid. So um, at least in most states. Uh, you. California is a little different because you can actually take the bar exam in California without graduating from law school and become a lawyer if you just study for it and get barred that way. And that, I get that a little bit more where that's your true bar to entry. And if you want to put in the work, you can get that. But law school is supposed to teach you how to be a lawyer. doesn't do a great job of it. Um, but the bar exam, which has nothing to do with anything you learn in law school, is, is just superfluous in that instance. So I actually kind of like the way Wisconsin does things. But, you know, is what it is. You're not going to change it. So have fun studying. Do your Barbary. Be good. And you'll be fine. Also, <laughs> I, I'm sorry that you've chosen to be an attorney. And if you are not too far in debt, you might want to reconsider. Um, just so you know, I, I would say about 80% of the lawyers I know are absolutely miserable people. Um, so I'm not one of them. I'm actually pretty happy. I have a very weird job, though. And uh, you probably won't get it. So. <laughs> Dream big kids. So I do want to shout out Ted Johnson here. We did not have a new patron this month, but Ted did the uh, boost up to go from two to five so that he is now a a ball and glove level supporter of the podcast. So I wanted to make sure that was the thing last week where I was hemming and hawing and wasn't sure whether or not we had a new patron or not. It was because of this, because there was somebody who upped their their patronage, but uh, did not add new patronage. I think you get a shout out if you go two to five. That checks out. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, well, thanks, Ted, for doing that, even though Paul seemed to indicate you may want to save your money. And uh... (laughs) I say that partially in jest. There are definitely people who thrive being lawyers. Just make sure you're one of them before you get into it. And so here's another thing. There's breaking news on the podcast, guys, because the dun, Brewers dun, have dun. selected their uh, 
They've made their pick at 33, and it is Tyler Black, a Wright State second baseman, who they took with the 33rd overall pick. So All right. those are the two picks so far, Sal Freilich and Tyler Black, and I don't believe the Brewers will be picking again tonight unless they're going through the second round, which I don't even know. So, Do we know anything about Mr. Black? Mr. Black. Would you like me to do a little live look up here while you guys uh, <laughs> chitter-chatter? I can, I can do a little uh, research here, a little digging. While you do that, I can read a positive comment. Oh, there we go. We got one of those, too, this week. So you do research, and we got a positive comment from John Jaso Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> That's uh, an awesome yes. name. Which is I a great name. It. That Fantastic is incredible. Name. <laughs> yes. Who gave us a five-star review, which, of course, are the only kind we're reading. Um, and uh, says, great content, interesting and thoughtful Brewer podcast. Just get all three voices to be the same volume, please. <sighs> it was hard to listen to in the car. So uh, really quick, this is my fault. Uh, I assume this is reviewing last week because my gear was not working last week and I had to fix it. Hopefully this is better because it is now fixed. So appreciate it. Uh, also, please stop saying right after every other sentence. I love that you gave a five-star review and then criticized us. Very savvy, because I, I actually don't care about the content of it. I just want the five stars. <laughs> so uh, kudos to you for doing that. And I will, uh, I'm will. i a man of my word. I will read it if you read, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and I'm not going to stop saying right after every other sentence, because it's just a tick. Um, I'm surprised you didn't call me out for random coughing and going all the time because that's what ticks me off about my own voice. But, you know, we'll work on it. Well, I take a lot of that out. That comes out in post prod a lot. Not all of it, but a lot. of You it get a out. lot of it, but yeah. <laughs> there's still plenty. Anyway, thanks, John Jaso. <laughs> Jingleheimer Schmitz. Are we uh, sure that's not Steve Garshinsky complaining about the audio levels? Oh, yeah. You know what? That's got to be a burner, Steve. That has to be. <laughs> because he, you're absolutely right. I should have caught on to that. That's, this has to be a burner, Steve. Because that is that is his bugaboo. That was honestly, when we first talked about starting this podcast, he's like, yeah, and we should be able to get good equipment and make it sound good. And I, I'm like much more worried about, you know, having good content and having thoughtful, you know, back and forth and all of that. He's like, he just wants the good sound quality. That's Steve, the, the audio engineer. engineer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's an occupational hazard. So yep. I do have some information on Tyler Black. I can tell you this right now from Baseball America. He was ranked their number 82 prospect in this year's yeah. draft. So a bunch of people's heads are exploding at that. That really doesn't mean a whole lot. You can relax a little bit. First off, the error bars on the stuff are, are very wide. And second of all, the Brewers almost certainly have him much higher than they have than what baseball america does sure. um he is a three-sport athlete hey this is the second straight guy who also played hockey so this is the new Ooh. market inefficiency because uh Freilich was also a hockey player when he was in high school and uh black is as well so we, we need to investigate and look into this and see exactly what the deal was but uh Good i think that on the minor league extra podcast mm -hmm. whether hockey skills translate to the baseball field yeah <laughs> so yeah Interesting guy, right state, not exactly a, a hotbed, but it also doesn't really matter in baseball. And he's six foot two. So this is weird. You have the outfielder who's five foot nine and the second baseman who's six foot two. <laughs> it's very backwards. Very, very backwards. Yep. Yeah. Uh, typically don't see that. But as we mentioned, five bucks a month gets you that minor league extra podcast. You're going to want that. Uh, just to find out who the heck the Brewers drafted and, and get uh, scouting <laughs> reports on their various high school activities. So there you go. Uh, that maybe sounded wrong. Um, in the meantime, that'll wrap things up for this week. Uh, also, do not forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, anywhere you listen to the Pocket Cast or podcast, hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, please do leave us a review to help other people find us. As Paul mentioned, if it's five, five stars, stars only. Five stars only. He'll read it. Uh, and apparently it can be as critical as you want as long as it's a five-star review. So or even a burner account from a former host. Still will read it. Don't care. <laughs> That'll wrap things up for this week. Uh, please do leave that five-star review. 
no matter what your burner account status is. In the meantime, uh, enjoy the All-Star break. We will be back next weekend to mark the second half of the season, and hopefully the Brewers can actually beat the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody.